What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton podcast. And I know that it's been, I guess, since Tuesday of last week was the last chance that I got to get on and talk with you guys. The past week has been a little bit hectic for me, but I'm now able to sit back and reflect on the final college football playoff rankings that were released by the college football playoff committee on this past Sunday. And to say that they were a a little bit controversial would be a huge understatement, to say the least, because there are a lot of people in the state of Florida right now, and particularly the greater Tallahassee, Florida area, that are a little bit, shall we say, a little bit PO'd still at uh, being let their precious Seminoles being left out of the college football playoff despite going undefeated and of course, winning the ACC championship game against Louisville the other night. A lot of frustration, a lot of frustration. And to, on one hand, I, I get it, obviously. And initially, I would have, I would have thought that Florida State was one of the most deserving teams to be in the college football playoff. And this is this is something of a trend that you're going to be seeing throughout today's show is the argument of best teams versus most deserving teams. And certainly that's something that the committee was paying very close attention to over the last three, four weeks of the season leading up to the announcement this past Sunday of which teams would be in and which teams would be left out. But a lot of a lot of a lot of angry people in Florida right now. That's for sure. That is for sure. And while I say that initially I would have thought Florida State would be in, and certainly, as I've been alluding to, there are plenty of people that would say that that is that still ought to be the case. I mean, I think Florida State, Florida State may even be trying to. I think I saw something earlier this week saying saying that they had basically filed a complaint with the. NCAA and the it was either the NCAA or the CFP committee about possible actions that could be taken. Obviously, I don't think any action is going to be taken at this point, unfortunately, for Florida State fans. But while Coming back to my main point here, while initially I did think FSU 
should have been in the four-team field that I would have put together. And I even also, I even almost made this post the other night of what I think the rankings should have been, which would have been Michigan at one. Actually, I guess, see if I can remember the exact order. Here is what I was about to say the other night. Here is my prediction of what I thought the committee was going to do. I thought they were going to put Michigan at one, Washington at two, Florida State at three, and Texas based on the way they played in the Big 12 championship game and really, really all season long, including that head-to-head victory over Alabama in week two. And and yes, for the, for the it matters when the games are played crowd, yes, I'm fully aware that that game did in fact take place in week two. But having said that, head-to-head does have to matter after all, in my opinion. So, would have put Texas, I thought the committee would have put Texas at number four in that hypothetical scenario. And so that's what I thought the committee was going to do as far as what I, what I would have done. In the Jim Bratton official college football playoff Final Four, my Final Four that never actually got released for whatever reason. But having said that, I would have, I would have actually put the Final Four teams that the committee ended up picking into my Final Four, my own Final Four if I were the one putting the rankings together. Because if you put Texas in, you've got to, you had to put Alabama in, right? Because while Alabama did, of course, have the head-to-head loss to Texas, they what you look at the way, as much as, much as it, oh, Sorry about that. I apologize for the viewing audience. I just had a little bit of a camera problem, which has now been resolved. But anyway, if you put Texas in, you've got to put Alabama in, right? Because even with the Texas head-to-head win over Bama, you've also got to take into account the fact that Bama was a completely different team down the stretch than they were in week two. We all remember the quarterback problems that they had when they, where they started out with Jalen Melrose as QB1. He was then benched in favor of Tyler Buckner in the USF game in week three, and 
for a while there, the quarterback situation at Bama was a bit of a revolving door type of situation. But as much as it pains me to say this, starting with the Tennessee game, of all the games that Alabama could have flipped the switch and began their role, their role that they got on and started peaking at the exact right time. It was the second half of the Alabama-Tennessee game where Jalen Melrose and the Tide sort of turned the corner, if you will, and really got on the right track. And, of course, we all saw what happened in the Iron Bowl where Jalen Melrose essentially became him in a lot of ways. And, of course, they knocked off the, at the time, number one team in the country in the Georgia Bulldogs in the SEC championship game, which I'm so thankful was the last time that I ever was faced with the situation where I would have to hear Gary Danielson call a SEC football game. And in a lot of ways, this storm, and I'm, of course, I'm not trying to to minimize the negative effects of the storm damage in the West Tennessee area. And of course, my thoughts and prayers go out to any potential victims of any potential storm damage, obviously, because I, I of course, am a human being and have to, of course, recognize the human catastrophe of potentially losing homes and loved ones and other things like that. Reason, what I'm trying to say is, is that due to News Channel 5 having to cut away from broadcasting, the because the Army-Navy game is today and also happens to be on News Channel 5 slash CBS, due to the storm updates that are being broadcast right now, I no longer, which that of course means that I'm not being subjected to having to hear Gary Danielson call another football game, SEC or otherwise. So that is really one of the only, po- one of the only positives that can come out of this situation. But anyway, coming back to my main point, Alabama knocked off Georgia in the SEC championship game, catapulting them to where they are now, which is, of course, the number four team in the country set to, to take on Michigan, number one Michigan, in the Rose Bowl, which is, of course technically a semifinal matchup in the college football playoff. So, that is 
my take on Bama really to mainly mainly just to mainly just to sort of my, sort of make my mother happy because mom because mama bless her heart is a Alabama fan for whatever reason I st- I still don't know apparently my granny was a big fan of Bear Bryant back in the day and so that's really the main reason why mama's told me before that that is the reason why she is a Alabama fan of course I, of course ironic, ironically my uh, my dad happens to be a proud alumnus of the University of Tennessee at Knoxville so can you can you that's just a little bit of a background on my family situation and why I did choose to side with the Vols in terms of my fandom. That is, of course, one of many reasons why I chose to do so. But, but, can you, can you really see, can you guys see what my dilemma was in my divided household growing up? Can you, can you see the, the dilemma that I had to deal with? Haha. But, I just wanted to give a give a quick shout out to my mama for her her Bama boys making it into the CFP. I know that she's been very critical of me at times for not talking about about Alabama enough on this show, and I keep telling her that there's plenty of other teams to talk about other than Alabama, but just because of the fact that I am a good son, or at least would like to be as good of a son as I can be, and just to just to just to to make my mama happy, lack of a better phrase. Uh, I'm going to say this only once, and this may be, can't believe I'm about to do this, but this may be, and I sincerely hope that this is the only time that I will be saying this on the Jim Bratton podcast, but as I say, I'm going to say it through through clenched teeth because of how good of a son that I am. Roll that gum tud. Uh, excuse me while I go throw up. No. No, I'm not going to do that now. I'm going to save that for after I get off the air here in just a few minutes. But just because of the fact that I am a as good as as good of a son as can possibly be and and of course full disclosure I am an only child of course uh, I just wanted to get that out of the way and now that I have gotten it out of the way 
let me come back to the Florida State Seminoles and the reason for why they got left out. And, of course, I've seen, I've seen plenty of conspiracy theories on the, on the interwebs about why Florida State got left out. I mean, I've seen the, the essentially meme of Curb Street on ESPN talking about the college football playoff, and you will notice in the background of Herbie saying all these things. I, I assume Ben, his 10-year-old uh, golden retriever, and to be fair, is, is Ben the golden retriever absolutely adorable? Yes. I do have a very soft spot in my heart for golden retrievers. That is just a little bit more personal background on me, which is probably the last personal thing that I will be saying on this show today. But I assume Ben is probably on the floor while his his master is talking to America on ESPN's airwaves the other day on the CFP selection show. That's not what I want to get to. What I do want to get to is in the immediate background of Herbie, you have the, the, and this is even prior to the final rankings being released, which is why a lot of conspiracy theorists are up in arms about this. You will... If you were watching the show at the time, obviously you noticed this, that the four teams, Alabama, Texas, and this is in no order, Alabama, Texas, Washington, and Michigan, just so happened to be the four helmets that were shown in the background of Kirk Herb Street on TV the other day. Florida State was, I believe somewhere below the top four on the on the basically shelf pretty much at Herbie's house or wherever he was doing the show from. And there's been all sorts of conspiracy theories thrown out about ESPN colluding with the SEC and Alabama and even even last year I noticed this that ESPN, and I'm not saying, I'm in no way a conspiracy theorist here, okay? I'm just saying what I remember from the selection show and really all ESPN programming last year is that they, they loved Alabama. They love Alabama in the hallways of ESPN, and you could possibly make the argument that they were biased to a certain degree. I'm not not saying there was collusion, not saying that there was collusion of any kind last year or this year, because there are, to be fair, to Alabama, and to, to some extent, 
Texas because, as I mentioned before, if te- if Alabama don't where to get in, then you've got to put Texas in as well due to the head-to-head situation. But coming back to my main point about Florida State here is we I mean Jordan Travis, we all know about the injury situation from a few weeks ago. And of course, devastating injury really proved to be devastating in more ways than one, especially when you look at the fact that FSU did get left out of the college football playoff despite going undefeated and winning the ACC. But Florida State was, of course, put into a situation, despite the fact that they had been winning these games down the stretch, of having to play with a backup quarterback, whether it be, uh, I believe the backup's name was is uh, Tate Rodemaker, and for the for the life of me, I cannot exactly remember the name of Florida State's third-string quarterback who ended up having to play in the ACC title game. But even regardless of who the starting quarterback was for the Seminoles, their name was not Jordan Travis. And in, in my mind, I think that, and this is, this is process, this is probably a very unfair situation for Florida State to be in because in my opinion if Florida State if Jordan Travis does not get hurt against UNA then Florida State is probably in the playoff even with even with Texas, and Alabama. Even though that they had also, even though they had also won the Big 12 and SEC respectively, Florida State would get, would have gotten that third spot. And then the question becomes, who do you put in at number four? Whether it would have been Texas or, or Alabama or, Maybe, maybe even Georgia. Maybe, maybe, maybe all you know what could have broken loose at that point. I, if it were me, I probably, I probably would have given the nod to Texas based on the head-to-head win over Alabama and the fact that they had a better than average, to say the least, showing in the Big Twelve championship game. But there is really no doubt in my mind that if Jordan Travis does not get hurt, that Florida State 
gets the three spot, and it's basically a free-for-all between Texas and Alabama, and maybe even a Georgia or Ohio State for the number four spot, let's just say. Again, as I said, I probably would have given the nod to Texas, but the unfortunate thing about that hypothetical is that we we will we will never know. We will never know because the final four is in fact, and I guess I could give a little bit of a of a brief preview here. Just sort of what my general takeaways are on this, on these semifinal matchups. And as I mentioned in the description of the Facebook Live version of the pod, I'm not going to get into predictions today necessarily. I'm going to save that for a later time. But in the meantime, before I do that, I guess I could preview the upcoming Rose Bowl briefly since I've already touched on it before I get to the Sugar Bowl. The Rose Bowl, of course, will feature number one Michigan taking on number four Alabama. And I think that this is, and these are both going to be very exciting football games, but if I had to, And I I sort of hate that I'm putting it this way, but for lack of a better phrase, for all for all of you gamblers out there, if I if I had to pick one of these games that I would quote unquote bang the under on, it would probably be the, be this one, just based on the way both teams have played defensively. Of course, Alabama. We all know what they can do defensively. And Michigan, in addition to their offense being able to wear you down, especially with the way Blake Corum runs the ball and the sort of methodicalness that comes with a Jim Harbaugh coach team, I do think that this is probably the toughest matchup, in my opinion. I think uh, Washington and Texas in the Sugar Bowl is going to be a little bit more of a high-flying, high-octane type atmosphere of a ball game. And the Sugar Bowl between the Huskies and the Longhorns is probably the game that I would be most inclined to quote-unquote, bang the over on because of the just explosiveness that we've seen from Quinn Ewers of Texas and Michael Penix Jr. of Washington really all year. But those are just sort of my brief summaries of what to expect from the college football playoff 
semifinals. I will be getting into sort of more detailed descriptions and predictions on the pod at a later date. I will we'll definitely be doing this before January the 1st, which is when both of these games will be played. The college football playoff national championship game will be the next week on January the 8th. So that is my brief takeaways from the CFP. And as far as the all of all of the other bowls are concerned and my gosh when i was when i was going through the you're not you guys are not going to believe this there are let's see and of course a lot of college football i probably shouldn't phrase it like this but a lot of old timey uh back in my day college football fans will say Back in my day, there used to be only six bowl games or eight bowl games or however many it was. There are now, and this is this goes to money and sponsorships and, t- and TV and blah, 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 more than anything else. But when I was going through the bowl games this morning as I was getting ready for the show today... Do you guys know how many bowl games there are this year? And I was, full disclosure, I was going to go through all of these bowl games just briefly on some and then, of course, go into others a little bit more in greater detail, but I'm not going to have time to do that on this edition of the show because do you guys know how many games how many bowl games there are well let let me tell you not even including the new year's 6 slash college football playoff games there are 36 bowl games yeah th- 36 non cfp or New Year Six bowl games, okay. The New Year Six bowl games, even outside of the college football playoff, there's four of those. So we are at let's see, forty so far. The college football playoff semifinals are another two, so that's forty-two. And if you want to go ahead and count the national championship game that makes 43 so depending on depending on how you look at it there are up to 43 bowl games in the 2023-2024 bowl season that is that is astronomical when you when you think about it but since I've sort of already teased the New Year's Six games, I guess I could touch on those very, very briefly. And, of course, I'll be giving more in-detailed predictions and projections of what I expect a little bit later on. 
uh, definitely before the 29th of December, which is when the New Year's Six games will start kicking off. But on December the 29th, the Cotton Bowl will be, and if you want to grab a pen and sheet of paper to sort of write these down on the calendar, please feel free to do so. The Cotton Bowl on December the 29th will be between number seven, Ohio State, and number nine, Missouri. Should be a very exciting ball game. Uh, The Peach Bowl on December the 30th will be between number 10, Penn State, and number 11, Ole Miss. Another very exciting ball game. The Orange Bowl is not not going to be as orange as it was last year. For obvious reasons, of course, last year featured Clemson and Tennessee, which may be the most orange, orange bowl that will ever be played in the history of college football for wink-wink, nudge-nudge, obvious reasons. Uh, will not be as orange this year, however, as it will feature number five, Florida State, and number six, uh, Georgia. And in the Fiesta Bowl, the 2023 Fiesta Bowl will feature number eight, Oregon. The Oregon Ducks taking on the 23rd ranked Liberty Flames, who are the, of course, group of five representative from college football in a New Year's Six bowl game. Ironically, they, of course, Liberty happens to be new members of Conference USA. And I guess I can, I will be getting into this at a later time on the show, uh, I guess I can bring up my beloved alma mater very briefly right now, however. And, of course, I'll be getting more in-depth into this in a later episode, which could come as early as today. Uh, Derek Mason, who, of course, is the new head coach at MTSU, my beloved alma mater, and True Blue and Raiders ride on to victory and whatnot. Uh, he is, one of the things that he has said is that he wants MTSU to be very, to very much be included in that group of five representative in a New Year Six ball game conversation. And will he end up doing that? I don't know. But as an alumnus, I'm, of course, all for it. Would love to see MTSU in a New Year's Six ball game. Is that, is that going to happen in the, in the near future to immediate future? Absolutely not. But long term, uh, could it? I'm, I'm, as an alum, I'm hoping... I've got my fingers crossed, but 
we will inevitably have to see how that plays out. But as far as this year's Fiesta Bowl goes, Oregon and Liberty. Of course, we all know what Oregon brings to the table. I've not studied Liberty too much in depth, but we'll definitely be sure to do that and get back with the, get back to you guys with a lot more in-depth detail about the Flames definitely before all of these New Year's Six games kick off. So that's it for the New Year's Six and college football playoff matchups. Before before I get out of here today, I get or for this edition of the show, uh, I guess I could talk about some of these, some of these other bowl games. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of all 36 of them, but just the major ones, if you want to call them that, the quote unquote major ones, I guess I could point out. Uh, let me run run down the list here. Do, do, do. The Holiday Bowl, which will feature Louisville and USC, could be very interesting, mainly because of how many USC players, especially wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Caleb Williams, end up opting out. Uh, I've not seen anywhere saying or anything saying that he will opt out, but he's, I can, I can say with a pretty large degree of certainty that Caleb Williams will not be playing in the Holiday Bowl. I mean, I mean, duh, but anyway, uh, the Gator Bowl, I guess, could could be an interesting one between Clemson and Kentucky. Of course, there were all sorts of sorts of rumors swirling around about Mark Stoops taking the Texas A and M job before that job went to Mike Elko, who, of course, returns to College Station after being the head coach at Duke. And even before that, of course, he was the defensive coordinator for Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, the now former Texas A&M head football coach, uh, Jimbo Fisher. So the apprentice has now become the master in some ways, at least, at Texas A&M. And as far as Clemson goes, look, my only hope for this one, at least, as far as making it a good game from Clemson's perspective, is that Tyler from, what's his name? Tyler from Spartanburg, I think is his name, ends up calling in to Feinbaum or wherever and calling out out Dabo. Calling out Dabo on, I can't remember exactly if it was Feinbaum or some local radio show in the Carolinas, but 
Tyler from Spartanburg really got under Coach Sweeney's skin and really motivated him and the Tigers for the rest of the season leading up to this Gator Bowl. And so hopefully there are some fireworks in that one. Uh, I guess I can touch on the the local ones here in Tennessee before I get out of here very quickly. The Liberty Bowl is really nothing to write home about because it's basically a home game. Well, it's it's really not even basically a home game for Memphis. It It is a home game for Memphis as they take on Iowa State. And in the Music City Bowl, which is the bowl that a lot of Tennessee fans sarcastically said, well, that gummit, we're, we're not going to the, to, the, to the Orange Bowl this year, so I might as well look forward to seeing everybody at the Music City Bowl for obvious geographic reasons. Tennessee will, of course, not be playing, in fact, in the Music City Bowl. Auburn gets the SEC berth in the Music City Bowl this year. They will, of course, be taking on the Maryland Terrapins out of the Big Ten. So, should be some some exciting football that will be played in Nashville. Certainly, certainly, hopefully, for fans at that game, it's going to be more exciting than any Tennessee Titans game that will be played in that stadium, at least through the rest of this season. I'll get it. And yes, I know, sidebar, yes, I know that I've been skipping out on Titans Tuesdays for the last couple of weeks, mainly because of how badly the Tennessee Titans have been sucking, lack of a better phrase. But uh, I guess we're at the point now where I'll start talking about the NFL a little bit more broadly than just the Titans, especially especially leading into the playoffs, which are getting ready to start up a little bit more. I mean, the playoff picture has already been around for a couple of weeks now, and we will see over the course of the next few weeks, the playoff picture really begin to take shape. And so I'll be talking about that a little bit more in detail down the stretch as well. So a lot of exciting NFL talk coming up on the pod in the not-too-distant future. But that is pretty much my take on the Music City Bowl, which will not feature Tennessee this year because Tennessee will be playing in the Citrus Bowl against, gosh, this game This game's going to be so painful to watch. You guys have no idea how painful it's going to be to watch this football game that Tennessee will be playing on New Year's Day against 
the Iowa Hawkeyes. Gosh, I, Iowa, Iowa. The running joke that is that are the Iowa Hawkeyes. Of course, Tennessee ha, does have a win over Iowa in a bowl game in recent history. I believe during the Butch Jones era. I cannot remember. I believe it was the. I believe it was the Tax Slayer Bowl, which was in Jacksonville a few years ago. Tennessee does have that win over Iowa and are now having to play against Iowa again. Of course, thankfully now at this point, we have moved past the Butch Jones era. But my gosh, this game... This game is going to be so painful. Do I'm going to watch it, but when you look at Tennessee's inconsistencies this year, and when you look at Iowa's inconsistencies on the offensive side of the football, it's going to be it's going to be a very very sloppy football game to watch. I'm going to watch it, but it's just going to be a mess. It is going to be a mess. The one the one positive thing that I will say about this Citrus Bowl is that I'm just glad Tennessee is staying with the fruit theme in this year's bowl game. Of course, obviously it's a step back from the Orange Bowl that, that they were in last year, but at least the one positive that Tennessee has going into this year's bowl appearance is that at least there's fruit, there is definitely fruit that is still going to be involved in this game. Whether or not it will feature, knock on wood, if Tennessee were to win this game, whether it would feature Joe Milton throwing various pieces of citrus, however far Joe Milton can throw them, uh, remains to be seen, but I would say that I'm looking forward to this game, and as a Tennessee fan's from a Tennessee fan's perspective, I am looking forward to this game from but just from a college football fan's perspective, I'm very very much not looking forward to this game because it is going to be sloppy. But with all of that being said, that is pretty much going to wrap it up for this sort of long-winded edition of the pod. I really appreciate you guys bearing with me as I break down the what my thoughts are on the CFP, the Florida State situation, and the New Year's Six Bowl games, and all of the other what seems like 240 other bowl games on this year's bowl schedule. Should be a very exciting bowl schedule indeed. So, 
get your popcorn ready, ladies and gentlemen. But with all that being said, I'm going to hop out. I'm going to go ahead and hop on out of here. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to this edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. I very much appreciate it, and I will see you guys next time.